What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Thousands of flight attendants are picketing for higher wages. Union head Sarah Nelson says they're just asking for basics. We have a lot of people who are qualifying for food stamps out there. We're talking about raising the standards here just so that people can actually make enough to come to work and do the job. And another big workplace story, automation and layoffs. Recruiter.com chairman Evan Sohn. A company that's very heavy in customer service roles, you could certainly see that being replaced by a chatbot or ChatGBT or a live AI person. Plus, a tough economic picture for Japan and the UK. Whale watching the biggest investors. And the other big Ponzi scheme of the 2000 aughts, Sir Alan Stanford's scam turns 15. Reporter Scott Cohn on the long story. Stanford's victims have gotten thus far about 25 cents on the dollar. It's been 15 years and these victims are still hurting. It's Thursday, February 15th, 2024. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back, goodbye in three, two, one, cue it please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Good morning. Day after Valentine's Day. We're here. We are. Day after the Super Bowl, day after the Valentine's yeah. Day. It's a pattern, and, right? And we get to the, are you into the NBA All-Star game? Does that count in your mind as like a big deal? Uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll definitely no. watch it in our house. I'm thinking about the Big East tournament. We were talking yeah, about that uh, earlier. Not because of Xavier this year, but uh, and I, I, last night I, I had a four-way that that uh, that sounds horrible. But I had a four-way that hit on the uh, hit Maryland. Maryland uh, oh, I watched the Maryland. UConn. Yeah. You did, yeah. Maryland, Clemson and Tennessee, and they all covered their wow. spreads. Yeah, four out of four. Would you win? Like twenty bucks. No, I won more than that. I bet $5, and I won $62. Good for you. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm buying today with you guys. <laughs> Coffee all around. Coffee all Duncan. <laughs> Duncan. Meantime, we got some signs of concern in the global economy. Let's talk about it, because Japan and the U.K. each reported a second straight quarter of economic contraction, uh, meaning the commonly used definition of yes it's the R word, recession. <laughs> With the economic contraction, Japan loses its spot now as the world's third largest economy. That's to Germany. The unexpected drop in GDP in Japan will likely push back expectations for the BOJ to raise interest rates from negative levels. Now, that move had been expected in March or April. Bank of England had been preparing to move rates in the opposite direction as inflation eases. The weaker GDP numbers could increase pressure on the UK central bank to cut rates. So a bit of a flip-flop in terms of how Things are happening there versus how they're happening here versus how their banks are thinking, central banks are thinking about it. It's all kind of interesting. I mean, we need Japan. But I didn't, for some reason, I thought Germany had already. No, I knew that they were the third. I didn't realize they were so close to falling to fourth. Um, And recession. I mean, do we not, uh, if they sneeze, don't we eventually catch a cold? I don't know. That that happens if we sneeze. 
other places gets a cold, but I don't know if it works. I didn't get your cold. We don't have cold. I had no. I'm good. I'm 100. percent No, I mean back in like November, December, I didn't catch your cold. How about the Pebble Beach? <laughs> I didn't catch that either. Oh my Goodness. God! I, I don't think it was anything to catch, but uh, unless it's airplane food. New York City Mayor Eric Adams said yesterday that his administration has filed a lawsuit against the parent companies of TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and YouTube. That suit alleges that their services are damaging to the mental health of young adults and children. The city alleges that the tech companies violated several city laws related to public nuisance and gross negligence through the design and marketing of addictive products. The companies responded yesterday. TikTok said it has industry-leading safeguards for teens. Google said the allegations are, in their words, simply not true. Meta said it has spent a decade working on these issues and has 30 tools and features to support teens and their parents. Snap said it feels good about the role Snapchat plays in helping close friends feel connected. For the second straight quarter, Berkshire Hathaway has requested confidential treatment from the SEC for one or more holdings that it has omitted from its quarterly filing. Investors that meet reporting requirements can ask the SEC to keep a holding private if disclosing it would disrupt an ongoing program of buying or selling a security. The disclosure of a new Berkshire investment can lift the stock's price because buyers often follow Warren Buffett's investment moves, follow his lead on it. Joining us right now with a rundown of some of the other big moves revealed in quarterly filings, we've got Leslie Picker. Leslie, good morning. Hey, good morning, Becky. Yeah, we saw what appears to be some profit-taking in some of the magnificent seven names during the fourth quarter among the larger hedge funds we track. Microsoft stakes getting reduced in portfolios from Co2 to D1 to Third Point. Viking sold out of a billion-dollar position there. And if you recall, Microsoft shares surged 19% during the fourth quarter. Viking also decreasing holdings in Meta along with Appaloosa. Meta was up 18% during the quarter. Co2, Appaloosa, and Tiger Global decreasing NVIDIA while D1 dissolved its stake completely. Amazon, a bit more of a mixed bag with Co2 and Third Point cutting their holdings while Appaloosa D1 and Tiger Global added. Amazon was up nearly 20% in Q4. Interestingly, Alphabet, which was up 7%, I want to say only 7% compared to its peers here in Q4, was a mixed bag too. Tesla, the laggard of the group, got a small boost from Co2, which increased its stake during the quarter. Berkshire Hathaway sold 10 million shares of Apple. Sounds like a lot, but that's just 1% of the firm's ownership worth roughly $174 billion at year end. And of course, just a reminder, these are snapshots from the end of 2023. They may have changed in the six weeks since. Those who remained in names though, like Nvidia, Amazon, Microsoft, and Alphabet have likely continued to see gains year to date, while Apple and Tesla holders are probably a bit more disappointed, guys. Leslie, we've been talking about a couple things. First of all, the, the Buffett change in the Apple stake. I mean, we were having a conversation just on set. Again, you point out it's less than, or maybe around 1% of the overall stake. I have a hard time thinking that that was a conscious move by Buffett or anybody else really involved there. It's, it seems like it's more kind of housekeeping between what would be a retirement funds or pension funds or different things within Berkshire or holdings at one of the insurance companies. 
Okay. Yeah, and as you kind of look at a lot of these these trims during the quarter, I mean, some of these positions likely got so big in certain portfolios that they had no choice but to decrease their exposure to them because they didn't want to kind of start the year with this outsized exposure to any individual name that they just weren't so sure about. Now, in terms of Apple and Berkshire, one percent trim i completely agree that's likely just housekeeping it's just remarkable that trimming 10 million shares only amounts to one percent because 174 billion dollars in apple just is such a, a shocking number when you when you think about it yeah by far their biggest holding leslie thank you yes it's 15 uh, years ago this week in the middle of the global financial crisis we learned of uh, another scandal back then a seven billion dollar ponzi scheme run by texas billionaire r allen stanford and today uh, stanford serving a life sentence but he's still managing uh, to torment his victims and cbc scott Cohn covered this story back then uh, and he's back now at what used to be stanford's headquarters in houston hey scott Hey, Joe. Yeah, this was the scene of the crime. It was one of the biggest financial frauds in history. It's where Alan Stanford sold billions of dollars in certificates of deposit from his offshore bank in Antigua, claiming that they were safe investments. But a federal jury found it was all a $7 billion Ponzi scheme to finance his lavish lifestyle. Convicted on 13 felony counts, he has long since exhausted his criminal appeals. But now, from prison, he has single-handedly managed to block the biggest source of recovery for his uh, 18,000 victims. A $1.3 billion settlement with three of the banks who are accused of aiding the fraud. Stanford argues that because the SEC sued him in Dallas instead of here in Houston, the whole thing is invalid. Courts have thrown that out again and again. He's filed appeals again and again. This is frustrating to the court-appointed attorneys who've been trying to get Stanford's victims' money back for 15 years. To be put in a position where the, the actual convicted criminal responsible for all of this, here 15 years later, can still stick his finger in the eye of thousands of his victims, it's, it's just disgraceful. I think it shows who Alan Stanford always was. He always has been that. And of course, it's infuriating to his victims. Uh, many of them were retirees back then when they bought the CDs. They include Edward and Beverly Antignola, who put half their retirement fund into Stanford CDs. How does he justify all that when he knows he's cheating everybody and he still feels okay about it? That he's done nothing wrong? I don't understand. Stanford has until today to file one last appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court even if that doesn't go anywhere, it's going to delay any payout for months. Stanford's victims have gotten thus far about 25 cents on the dollar. If that bank settlement finally goes through, it would roughly double it to about 46 cents on the dollar. It's been 15 years and these victims are still hurting. Guys? To mention no interest along the way. No interest along the way. And it's always when it's a Ponzi scheme, they're trying to just get their principal back. Uh, it, it is uh, it's obviously infuriating to the victims. And of course, big differences between this case and the Madoff case, which broke about two months prior, uh, those victims have gotten back about 75 cents on the dollar and counting. But because Stanford was an offshore bank, uh, they didn't get SIPC coverage that the Madoff victims got. Uh, these victims are, in many cases, out of luck. Wow, I forget. So Madoff was two months uh, prior to that. So that's the period that, that we're talking about then. I was trying to 
trying to figure that out. I, when I read it in the rundown, I thought it was about Stanford, the school. I had to remember about Alan, about Alan Stanford. I didn't know what Stanford scandal you were talking about. While you're in Texas, Scott, you got to look around down there for the best states to do business. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty solid place to do it. While, you, while you're in Houston, you can do two <laughs> things, can't you? Chew gum, walk. We'll see. Yeah, it, it, I, maybe we can. It all, we're, and we're just starting on that. That's You're a working nice on that again. Oh, my July, God. It's time but, again. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right, come. Thank you, Scott. We'll see you. Cheese will be next. Here's what we've got next on Squawk Pod. Why flight attendants are picketing at dozens of airports across the U.S. With Sarah Nelson, head of the Flight Attendants Union. The starting out. did you say $25,000? Yes, and sometimes less than that when you're talking about the regional airlines. This is not enough to live on, and this is why people are sleeping in their cars. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Shut it down! Thousands of flight attendants pushing for new contracts and higher wages picketed at airports around the world on Tuesday. Our next guest was there. I want to bring in Sarah Nelson, international president of the Association of Flight Attendants, representing nearly 50,000 flight attendants at 20 airlines. Her union was one of three who picketed on Tuesday. I want to thank you for joining us. Um, do you feel like this created any momentum in terms of the discussions that are happening uh, with your employers? Sure. I think that this is showing the airline industry that flight attendants are standing together, just like the UAW took on the big three, frankly, um, making the airlines have to compete to the highest standards rather than trying to have us compete against each other for the lowest standards. In terms of what you're seeking this time, are we talking just about pay? Are we talking about hours? What are we talking about? Well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that Joe said two days ago that we should have a pay raise. So I want to negotiate with Joe here, Andrew. Okay. But um, I, <laughs> you, you deserve it. I, I, you know, whenever I'm on a flight, I'm like, you know, I, I, it, my, I question my whole view of humanity when I see some of the stuff flight attendants have to put up with, Sarah. So I don't know. Well, if thank there, you. There, there might not be enough money. It, it might not be enough money, but I mean, let's get real. The flight attendants or the pilots got between 35 and 50 percent raises. We're talking about being on par. I talked with all of you a long time uh, during the pandemic about the payroll support that we got. That was about keeping everything in place. 
you know, not going backwards like we did after 9-11. It had been 20 years of austerity. The mergers then pushed passengers together, squeezed more of the staffing out of our work and had us working longer hours uh, for less pay. So it's been a long time since we've seen any kind of significant increase to our careers. And we're working harder than ever. So we need these pay increases, but we also need pay for all the time at work. And we need to have a secure retirement so people can retire someday and move on and, and leave room for the next generation to come along. Um, so these are the things that we're fighting for. And there are significant demands, but it's been a long time and they're overdue. Uh, let's talk numbers. What are you looking for? Well, it's going to look different depending upon each airline and how that's defined, Andrew, and what we're looking at in terms of how we're getting paid for every hour that we're actually on the job. So those numbers may look different at the end of the day. But when you look at what the pilots got, that we're talking about a commensurate amount of pay uh, percentage-wise for the flight attendants. So that's going to pan out to very significant double-digit raises and um, increases in the amount of time in the amount of times that we're getting paid during the day that we're at work. What do you think is a fair number, though? So I'm looking at some numbers. Let's just, let's just talk, no, let's talk brass tacks because I think the audience just needs to understand what we're talking about here. So, so the average flight attendant in the United States. Um, at the airlines that you represent is get pay, gets paid what? Well, it depends on where you are in the pay scale. So it may be as low as around $25,000 a year when you're starting out. On average, it's going to be around $62,000 a year. We need a significant pay raise from that in order to just have a living wage to get by. So we're talking about uh, somewhere in the range of 30%, depending upon how that's defined across the pay scale and across how it's defined for all of our hours of work. The starting salary, did you say $25,000? Yes, and sometimes less than that when you're talking about the regional airlines. This is not enough to live on, and this is why people are sleeping in their cars. Uh, we have uh, a lot of people who are qualifying for food stamps out there. We're talking about raising the standards here just so that people can actually make enough to come to work and do the job. And is that true just on the regionals? Is it on the, I mean, on some of these bigger flights? And the reason I'm asking is you do look at some, you, you do look at some of the numbers that have been published and they're, they're, they're significantly higher. I mean, you know. When you're starting out, Andrew, and you're at a major airline, you're talking about between twenty-five dollars to $28,000. So some of these six-figure numbers, just not true. <laughs> well, that, that is only true for the people who are actually working what would be considered an 80-hour work week for anyone else. So you're talking about people who are really busting their butt. And frankly, do you really want aviation's first responders working so much uh, just to make ends meet? when they're trying to also save your lives. Um, I, I don't think so. Um, Sarah, it is a, a much longer conversation. Uh, before you go, let me ask you one thing. Delta, we just had Delta on. Uh, they're obviously one of the few non-unionized airlines. Um, you know, what you hear, two things about that, uh, that airline. One is that they're, they're doing better than just about all the other airlines. Uh, and two is that arguably they pay their people more than all the others with all these bonuses <laughs> in stock. True or not true? First of all, it's not true. Um, it is true that they're making more than anyone else. And so they should be leading the industry. We should have a contract there that is setting the highest standards for the industry. And that really does undercut the rest of the bargaining across the industry, not having a union at Delta and not having that negotiating. Uh, the pilots actually started the standard at Delta because they were the first to negotiate that pilot agreement. And that set a standard for all the other ones to fall in line. That's what we'd like to see. for Why the Why do you think customer satisfaction is highest at Delta? 
Oh, it is not. I was just out walking with the Delta flight attendants yesterday. They, it was the day that they were getting these profit sharing checks. And they're saying, you know, management can take that away from us at any time. That's not locked into a con contract. We can't count on it. And it's, it's not enough. No, it's no. Not customer enough satisfaction. You, you, look, you look at every customer satisfaction rating the last several years, even more than that now, and Delta's at the top. More, more better online, better, better, better performance in terms of on-time performance. People are happier. It, I, I'm just, I'm just citing, citing statistics here. Why is that? Well, because you're only hearing the management's voice coming out of there. You're not hearing the voices of the workers talking about the, the concerns no, that I'm, they I'm have. I'm saying there. about the customers. I mean, the customer's uh, voice. You know what? Um, customers across the board are supporting us in our contract demand. So I think that we're seeing a real turn here. People are saying you need to have a union. You need to have a voice at the table. You need to have right. uh, okay. a fair return for the worth that you're creating. And Delta Plytons are creating more profit than anybody else. They should be seeing a higher return. Sarah, it's a longer conversation. I will say this as a as a longtime flyer. I think that the folks who work at Delta seem to be happier. And I wonder why that is. But it's a long. That Andrew, we should talk about. I understand. I understand that you think that you can do our job well, so I want to invite you to come out with me someday and, and do that job. Because I, I don't think Joe I can do it. Trust me. No, no, I am not. Sarah, not he, he, served, he served bug juice at a summer camp like 30 years <laughs> I, I ago. I don't think right? I can do your job better right? than you can. Coming up on Squawk Pod, did you know you spend a third of your life at work? More on the state of labor, layoffs across industries, automation, and workforce shifts with the chairman of Recruiter.com, Evan Sohn. A company needs different types of talent today than they did a year ago, but those software engineers are still in, in a high demand, but maybe at a different company or maybe even in a different industry. We'll be right back. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. Cisco announcing plans to cut 5% of its workforce or about 4,200 jobs. That announcement uh, coming as Cisco reported earnings of 87 cents a share, beating estimates of 84 cents. Uh, revenue was down 6% year over year, but beat Wall Street expectations. Guidance for the current quarter and full year fell well short uh, of estimates last night on Mad Money CEO Chuck Robbins explained the cautious guidance to Jim. We saw more caution with our customers this quarter than we saw in the prior quarter, which led to our, our teams actually expressing more caution in their forecast. Therefore, we have more caution in our guidance. And Robbins also spoke uh, about the job cuts. He said when uh, you're, in his words, off the plan, uh, the way Cisco is this year, you have to adjust expenses. He said they'll uh, spend some time talking through the changes with employees over the next few days. I think they heard that the people aren't spending through the inventory. Their customers aren't, aren't using the inventory as quickly as they had anticipated. It could take the rest of this year to kind of get back to normal. Cisco was a $600 billion company once, um, market cap 20 years ago or something. Uh, Morgan Stanley also announcing layoffs. The company plans to cut several hundred jobs in its wealth management division. That's been the, one of the drivers uh, at Morgan. The cuts are expected to hit less than 1%. 
of the unit's employees. It's one of the first uh, major moves under new CEO Ted Pick, uh, who took over from James Gorman at the start uh, of the year. And several other tech firms reducing payrolls, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet. And then outside of tech, UPS slashing 12,000 jobs, Paramount, Sports Illustrated and the LA Times all cutting back, and retailer Levi Strauss and Macy's also announcing layoffs. So let's talk, discuss all of these uh, labor market layoffs and job cuts. Evan Sohn, Recruiter.com chairman is here. Good morning to you. You know, it, we, we hear about these headlines, and uh, they're clearly affecting people in a real way. And then you look at the employment picture, and it seems to be remarkably strong. So what's happening here? Um, so good morning and uh, great to see you. Uh, you're correct. We're still dealing with the reshuffling, if you will, uh, the restructuring and the reshuffling that was a, a, a failover from uh, 2023, uh, post the 22 higher at any cost. Uh, so those are really the layoffs that you actually saw. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty common for these companies to be laying off. Uh, they've just become obviously more vocal and louder uh, in, in today's overall economy. Um, and the market has really uh, rewarded companies that announced layoffs. You know, not too long ago, layoffs were a sign of weakness. Now, a layoff is a sign of a company uh, getting their house in order. Uh, but you look at a company like Zoom Info who reported uh, great numbers because their revenues were growing. And I think you're going to start to see a shift uh, in 24 really towards growing revenues. And we start to see data about the increase uh, trend of hiring salespeople. Is your sense that the folks, unfortunately, who do lose their jobs, some of the bigger tech companies are, that are getting jobs to replace them, are better jobs, higher paying jobs, lower paying jobs? Are we seeing, are we, you're able to measure that? Yeah, so I, I think the wages have become pretty pretty stabilized. Uh, it used to be that people were leaving a job for significantly more money. They're much more lateral looking now in terms of overall wages. But when we looked at data uh, in our partnership with Aura by Bain, and the uh, you started to see software engineers almost 50-50. Uh, for every software engineer that was leaving their, their firm in 23, they were being hired by somebody else. So you could really think of that as a talent shift. A uh, company needs different types of talent today than they did a year ago, but those software engineers are still in, in a high demand, but maybe at a different company or maybe even in a different industry. We talk almost every day about AI uh, taking the jobs or potentially taking jobs of AI workers, or rather I would say of white collar workers. Is that something that we think you're already starting to see? Yeah, so we saw a really big trend in AI jobs in the fourth quarter. I think you're going to see those impacts later on in this year in terms of uh, cost cutting. But really, we really think it'll have a bigger impact in the fewer people needing to be hired. You know, if the if the rule of thumb is that through generative AI, you can get 20 to 30 percent more production out of a out of a, of a talented uh, professional, uh, then perhaps you can hire three people instead of four. Uh, the other thing that we started to see of a longer term trend is the software's impact on financial service firms and accounting firms really since like 2016 as it relates to overall software and outsourcing. We've really seen many jobs that were back office jobs over the last uh, decade or so really decreasing. In terms though of where it's going first, is it is it the engineers where you're starting to see the AI be able to do what they can do and help them really sort of become much more productive or is it other places? Yeah, so we measure it really in terms of augmentation and automation. Uh, augmentation, we're gonna make you more productive. 
uh, automation, uh, we, we need fewer uh, of that type of uh, job requirements. So I think a company that's very heavy in customer service roles, you could certainly see that being replaced by a chatbot or chat GBT or, uh, or a live AI person or an AI person really handling the support services, as opposed to a software engineer who's going to use tools that are going to make them far more productive than they were five years ago. Okay, so here's the question, Evan. I imagine you get at cocktail parties all the time. If you had a kid today and they were going to college and had a major in something, what would you have them try to do? Uh, well, the highest skill that's in, uh, the, the skill that's in the most demand, and this came out of a LinkedIn report, is really communication skills, being able to communicate with it, with people, uh, build relationships. Uh, you know, those things are not going to go away. Uh, so if you're not going into software engineering and data analytics uh, and- So uh, engineering, you wouldn't be an engineer anymore? <laughs> Engineering's <laughs> out? I would. I would data analytics. I think generative AI, data analytics is uh, is going to be a, a phenomenal big field. Phenomenal big field. By the way, nurse practitioner is now the number one ranked job in the U.S. So there's healthcare is still a very, very safe, uh, a very, very safe industry. Evan Stone, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And that's the pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And please follow Squawk Pod, this podcast, wherever you listen. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.